You tuned into the Sports Talk with Big Sarge podcast. I'm your host, Big Sarge, coming to you live from San Diego, California. California, no time to party. California. Hey, listen, let me tell you something. Last week I was in L.A. And L.A. is cool. I'm not going to even lie. Los Angeles is really cool. Um, I got a chance to see, you know, the Marathon store where, you know, rest in peace, Nipsey Hussle. I, I seen the store that he owns in, in that area. So that was cool. But San Diego? San Diego is a whole different animal. I love San Diego. For the last two mornings, I've gotten up and worked out like right along the water, right? Like, like I, you know, I've been run jogging right along the water, doing walking up and down the stairs and things like that. The closest I've ever been to yachts, like I've seen these yachts out there. They're like amazing. Like I loved them. I was like, wow. You know, I was like, hey, can I touch one? And they was like, no, you can't. You you can't get this hat right. No, you can't touch one. So I was like, ah. It's cool, but I uh, got closest I've ever gotten to a Navy ship. Side note, hey, uh, I don't think I've ever divulged this information to you all, but I'm going to tell you right now. I have this fear of large statues. I mean, like for those of you all who are familiar uh, with the Sam Houston statue that sits off of 45 when you're leaving out of Houston head towards Dallas, like right in between Houston and Huntsville, there's a huge statue of Sam Houston. And I flip it the bird every time I see it, but that's another story for another time. I'll tell you why I shoot the finger to the Sam Houston statue. That's another story for another time. But the statues, like they scare me be- only because I'm thinking to myself, what if they come alive? I've watched entirely too many movies. It's like, what if these statues come alive? And then they start, you know, start tearing up something. So down um, near where the, uh, I guess there's this historical Navy ship. They have the huge statue of, some of y'all are familiar with the Navy, uh, the, the sailor coming home and kissing the, I don't even know where they were. Was it after Pearl Harbor? Well, he kissed the nurse. When they have a huge statue of that. So I'm walking down and it's right there. I didn't have no clue. So I seen it. So I was talking to my boy on the phone and he was like, man, what you do if that statue came alive and started chasing? You know, he's going to catch it. I was like, no, because once he gets to moving, I'm going to swing around, double back. It's going to take him a long time to stop and turn back around and try to get me. And then I'm out. Like, I don't even know why somebody would even have a plan to get away from from a statue, but I do. I got a whole plan mapped out. So listen, if we're ever anywhere and there's a statue that comes to life like Ghostbusters or something, like Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, and you need to get away, Big Sarge gotcha. Follow me. In the immortal words of the great Negro poet, Sergio the Entertainer, we don't need no run coordinator. We don't need no directions. We just run. Speaking of runs, most of you all know why I'm here, right? I'm here to cover the 2020 American League Championship Series between the Houston Astros and the Tampa Bay Rays. Now, the Astros, they down in the Series 3-0 to Tampa Bay. And, you know, today is a must-win game. The game starts at 540, I think, 540 Pacific time, so which is 740 back home in Houston. But the Astros are down three three nothing. 
And if you all looked at the title of this, I titled this, Hey, can somebody get Jimmy Butler's phone number? Because what Jimmy Butler did against the Lakers in game five is what the Astros need to do today to, to stay alive. That's exactly what they need to do to stay alive. They need to go out there and leave it all on the field like Jimmy Butler did against the Los Angeles Lakers in game five of the NBA Finals. Like Jimmy Butler gave his all. And I mean, come on now. Now here's where the arrogance kicks in. And this is where my, you know, my, my, my true Texans heart pumps everything arrogance and sarcastically things. Hey, listen, I wouldn't expect anything else from Jimmy Butler. I mean, he's from Texas. What would you expect? He's from the United States of Texas, as a matter of fact. So anyway, I digress. The Astros have to come out and they have to leave it all on the field. Uh, today, because the three being down three to zero, that's a hard hole to climb out of. And the thing is, and no disrespect to any of the Tampa Bay Rays players, their organization, or their fans, or their fan base. No disrespect to any of them. But if you're watching the games, you can clearly see that I that the Astros are the better team. And I'm not just saying that because I'm here covering the Astros. I'm not saying that because. Um, I am an Astros fan, you know, away from my profession, my profession. I like the Astros, period. But I, I'm looking at the games and I'm watching these games and I'm saying to myself, the Astros are the better team. The Astros are matching them pitch for pitch. They have great pitch. They're getting great pitching, just like the Tampa Bay Rays are getting great pitching. The Astros are out hitting the Tampa, the, uh, out hitting the Rays. They are getting good hits. They're not getting timely hits, and that's the problem. They're not getting timely hits, and they're not getting enough runs. And so that's the issue. So when I'm looking at this this Astros team that I've covered for the last uh, four years, if I'm looking at this Astros team that I've watched the entire year that I've you know traveled some with, and I'm here right now, and I'm watching them, and I'm saying to myself, they are playing some good baseball. They're just getting some bad breaks. Now, before I get into the Altuve errors, let me say this. On last night, I asked Carlos Correa, shortstop for the Houston Astros, a question. Because this is how I feel. But, you know, once again, I'm not a professional player. I'm only, you know, a part of the media. I feel like the reason why the Rays have the advantage is because they're going on their ninth game here at Petco Park. They're playing their ninth game here in San Diego. They had a five-game series with the uh, uh, New York Yankees, and now they're playing the Astros for the fourth game in the ALCS. That's nine games in a row. That is home field advantage, especially when you have an Astros team who played – in Minnesota to start off the playoffs, and then when they were in the wild card, and then they played two games against, against Minnesota in the wild card, then they went to L.A. to play in the ALDS, and then they came here to play in the ALCS for a chance to go to the World Series. When you look at that, they're doing all this traveling. Now, mind you, they ended the season traveling to Seattle, traveling to Arlington, Traveling from Arlington to Minnesota, from Minnesota to L.A., from L.A. to San Diego. The Astros haven't been home in over almost a month. They've been traveling. 
compared to Tampa being here in San Diego, familiarizing themselves with not only the park. Let me tell you something. That is a huge park. Petco Park is huge. And so when you see the great defensive plays that the Rays are making, that's because they know this park by now. Playing in it for two weeks, you know it compared to playing in it for the fourth day. Yes, the Astros did play here for three games in the regular season. But that was after they had played in Colorado. They played in Colorado. They came here and played, and then they kept traveling. They didn't stop here. So this was just a, a, a I'm sorry, they didn't, they didn't stay here to finish out the season. They only stopped here for a three-game series, and they moved on. The Rays have been here for two weeks. That's why you see the great position. And that's the same. What Carlos Correa said last night was, we're just playing against a great defensive team. And I get it. I understand. They are a great defensive team. But by the same token, when you familiarize yourself with a certain area, when you familiarize yourself with a certain ballpark and you know exactly where to be, those hits that the Astros are, uh, uh, I'm sorry, the contact that the Astros are making would be hit hits in other places. But the fact that the Rays know the lay of the land, that makes a huge difference. So the Astros got the pitching. The Astros are getting the hitting. They're just not getting the runs. And then now we have to get to the Altuve errors. I'm, I'm not going to even lie to you. I'm surprised. I am. I'm, I'm not going to even lie to you. I'm surprised by the errors that Jose Altuve is making. I am. I've never, ever seen a future Hall of Famer like Jose Altuve. I've never seen something that I've witnessed in the last two games. And I will say this. Side note. Listen, let me tell y'all why the Jose Altuve errors don't bother me none. Because I'm a Cowboys fan. You see what my hat says? It says America's team. So I'm a Cowboys fan. I've lived through the Tony Romo era. I've lived through costly mistakes. I have watched over and over and over again. I watched that Seattle playoff game where Tony Romo botched the snap on the hole. And they lost. I've seen over and over uh, uh, a plethora of times where Tony Romo has the ball in the fourth quarter, uh, going to win the game, and he makes a mistake. So the Altuve errors don't bother me only because so of, of what Altuve has done in the past. And I'm a Cowboys fan. I have watched Tony Romo. Now, don't get me wrong. I like Romo. I, I do. But my heart has been broken a lot by Tony Romo. So if I could deal with that, I damn sure could deal with the Altuve errors. It's just rare to see. It's rare to see a second baseman who plays the game like Jose Altuve plays to end up like that. And I'm going to say this before I get to what I really want to talk about. Let me say this. Lance McCullough Jr., who pitched an outstanding game two, came uh, uh, in, in a Zoom press conference. He said, Altuve made errors. This guy's a leader for us. He made an error, but it's on me, too, to pick him up. Because he made that error, then I made a bad pitch. 
So I should have been able to pick him up, which is the exact same thing I said last night. Altuve made the error. They should have had the double play. They should have got out. Even uh, Carlos Correa said that he should have picked that up. He said nine times out of ten, I grabbed that double play. It's gone. It just didn't happen on last night. But then you have the relievers come in who's supposed to stop the bleeding, and they give up runs. So, yes, Jose Altuve did make mistakes. Yes, his mistakes caused the bullpen to have to come in, but the bullpen also, the, the relievers should have came in and they could have done a better job. They could have done a better job of stopping the bleeding. So I don't, that, 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 doesn't, that does not bother me. I said this on social media. I'll say this right here, right now. You're looking at a team that came into the playoffs under 500. You're looking at a team that has been dealing with scrutiny since the beginning of the season. They're hated on by most of the media, most of the sports fans. And hell, they even said, they, they even talked about the Astros doing the Supreme Court confirmation hearings today. <clears throat> One of the senators from Nebraska, which by the way, side note, sir, why don't you worry about getting Scott Frost together? Why don't you worry about the Nebraska Cornhuskers um, um, or a uh, uh, football program and how bad they suck? Also, also worry about them being on sanctions. How about you go and clean up, sweep around your own front door? Oh, before you sleep around my... Some of y'all too young to, to, to know that. But before you start talking about the Astros, you need to go ahead and fix whatever's going on in Nebraska. So, as I digress, I got one more thing that I want to say. So I went back and forth on last night, right? I went, I went, I went back and forth with some people. I, I, went, I went back and forth... With some uh, people on social media last night about the when the bases was loaded with one out, I can't remember who the hitter was. I think oh, it was Kyle Tucker. Kyle Tucker hit the ball out into left field to uh, the left fielder Renfro from the Rays. He came in, caught the ball, and Jose Altuve was halfway through. He didn't tag up and run home. So a lot of people were saying, well, he should have he should have tagged up and ran home. Jose Altuve should have tagged and ran home and made the uh, outfielder make the play. One, Renfro has 30 assisted outs. Assisted means that he's thrown people out from the outfield. 30. Two, I am watching live where I'm sitting at in Petco Park is in left field. When Kyle Tucker hit makes that hit, I'm watching the left fielder and I'm watching him gain <coughs> excuse me. I'm watching him gain momentum as he's making coming in to try to make this play. As he makes the play, yes, he slides, but he pops right back up. When he slides and he pops right back up, he still has the momentum to make the throw home. I'm watching this in real time. And I'm saying to myself, if I'm Altuve, I don't run either. And this isn't the Altuve of old. He's dealt with, the, uh, with some injuries this year. He does not have the speed that he has due to some injuries that he's that he suffered from this season. So I don't trust Altuve to make that run from third. I don't, I don't trust Altuve to gain momentum to run from third base to home on that guy. Altuve got two stolen bases this year. 
That's the same amount of momentum you have to uh, conjure up to be able to run home from third. Not only that, he has to go back, tag, and wait, and then take off. So, of course, people told me, I didn't know what I was talking about. You know, make him make the play. Uh, I, I think that you're confused or misunderstanding on how uh, a player sliding like that on his backside can just come home, has zero chance of throwing the ball home. No, go back and watch the momentum. He has the momentum to slide, get the ball, get up and go. So I said to myself, wait a minute. I started thinking about something. And I said, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Jose Altuve was, um, Jose Altuve did participate in a game last year where he kind of watched the same thing happen, right? Kind of, right? Let's watch the best 38 seconds that you're going to see in, in your entire day. remembers that play who else remembers that play in the uh game six of the american league championship series on last year where michael brantley made that play to throw out aaron judge right in front of jose altuve so you don't think that jose altuve probably was like i'm not going to make the final out i've already made these errors right <clears throat> even though I've, i got i got the only at, at that point i think he had no it was two runs because Michael Brantley had hit a solo home run. But he had the only he he had a run for the Astros by hitting a first inning uh solo home run. And then he made the errors, which is the second in the second game in a row. You think that he's gonna take the chance on running home, on running home to get out? You all just watched. The highlight from game six of 2019 of the ALCS where Michael Brantley made one hell of a catch, popped up, and threw Aaron Judge out at first base, which is the exact same thing that probably would have happened on last night, in my opinion, in my opinion, which is the exact same thing. Hunter Renfro had the momentum, caught it, popped right back up. <clears throat> no, I don't have COVID. I just need something to drink. But... I don't blame Altuve for not tagging up and running. I don't blame Altuve for not doing, uh, for for not making the final out of what could have been the final out. You give your the next batter an opportunity and a chance. The play, the ball was not hit deep enough. If the ball would have been hit just a tad bit deeper, he would have been able to make it. But it, but it was not. So, I don't know whatever what what else y'all wanted wanted him to do. Hey, look, we're about to take a break. When we come back, I'm gonna tell you how Booger. Booger. <laughs> Booger. I, that's funny to me. 
I'm gonna tell you how Booger McFarlane is actually kind of right about Andy Dalton. We'll be back. Tune in to Sports Talk with Big Sarge Podcast. I'm your host, Big Sarge. Follow me, Big Sarge Sports with a Z on the Twitter and Instagram. And if you're watching me on Facebook, it's just Brian Barrafield. I know, right? Really, really weird, right? Just just Brian Barrafield. That's all. Just Brian Barrafield. All right. So, what is going on with my screen? Something is going. There we go. So on Sunday, my team, the Dallas Cowboys, the team that I root for, suffered a catastrophic injury to their starting quarterback, Dak Prescott. Now, I will not, not inundate you all with all the, well, this is what Dak should have done when he was holding out for a contract. He should have just continued to hold out. You know, this is how Dak lost his money. This is the chance that you take when you're playing on a franchise tag. Eh, I don't talk about all that. Y'all, y'all, y'all can save that for, for another time. And I'm not knocking anybody who talked about it. What I'm saying is I don't want to talk about it. I get it. I got it. Dak rolled the dice. I, I, I didn't, I put it like this. Dak and Zeke are two totally different people. Let me tell you a quick story real quick. On last year, when the Dallas Cowboys and the Houston Texans played, right? Everybody knows this was before Mark Cooper came to the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys lost to the Texans. In the locker room, Zeke was standing standing there. Dak was in the back. I think Dak had taken a shower, gotten dressed, but he was in the back somewhere. But their lockers are right next to each other. And so Zeke was standing there and he was pissed because they had lost. So Zeke screams out, I'm tired of losing, right? Screams out, I am tired of losing. Dak didn't say nothing, just walk right out, right? I was like, ah, mm-hmm. So kind of see who the alpha male is this. If you've looked at everything that has transpired with the Black Lives Matter, with the, 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 the protesting, the kneeling of the national anthem, you all knew that Dak Prescott was not going to be the one to sit out. Dak Prescott was not going to be the one to hold out. And that's his prerogative. If that's what he wants to do, that's what he wants to do. I'm never going to stick my hand in another man's pocket. I'm never going to to tell another man what they should and what they shouldn't do. I don't agree with some of the stances that uh, Dak Prescott has taken. And I understand that he was a fourth-round pick. But you're the franchise quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. You have more power than you think, Dak. You don't have to keep letting Jerry Jones... I digress. So we watched that catastrophic injury, right? We watched Dak get uh, carted off the field. It hurt my heart. I, I felt sorry for Dak. I'm not going to even lie, but I wasn't the only one. America joined in and, and, and you know, former players, players now in the NFL, players in other sports said how much they <clears throat> hurt to watch and to see Dak Prescott being taken off the field right there, there with the season-ending injury. 
So then Andy Dalton comes in and he leads the Cowboys to victory. They beat the Jets. I mean the Jets. I don't even want to talk about that. Catastrophic. Anyway, uh, he led them to victory over the Giants, right? And so that led Booker McFarland to make some comments that pissed some people off. And I'm about to as well. It's been a minute since I've done this, but I'm starting to, you know, it's like riding a bike. It's like getting back on it like, yeah, I'm ready. Let's do this. Yeah, I'm about to piss y'all off and I don't care. Uh, Booger's kind of right. What Booger McFarlane said was the Dallas Cowboys may be better off with Andy Dalton than Dak Prescott right now. Booger has a point. Booker has a strong point. Is Andy Dalton the future? Hell no. Andy Dalton, hell no, Andy Dalton is not the future of the Dallas Cowboys. Dak Prescott is the future of the Dallas Cowboys. But this injury, this injury may cause Dak to sit back and take a look at himself. As an avid Dallas Cowboys fan, that has watched the Cowboys for as long as I can remember. I was born in 1972, so I probably wasn't aware of everything that was going on until probably about 1974. So I've been watching the Dallas Cowboys from 1974 to 2020. I am a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. That's my team. That's who I root for. I watch them every Sunday. Win, lose, or draw, I'm going to watch the Cowboys. I'm going to root for the Cowboys. Let's do it. What Booger said was they may be better off right now with Andy Dalton than they are with Dak Prescott. And I'm going to tell you why I agree with what he's saying. For the last four years, one thing that has plagued Dak Prescott has been his accuracy. He is very athletic. He is very talented but he's very inaccurate in certain situations. Dak isn't one of those players, isn't one, excuse me, isn't one of those quarterbacks that can throw a wide receiver open. What Dak does is you got to be open or like running right, you got to go to the open spot where he can see you open and he's going to throw you the ball. I mentioned Tony Romo early, but the one thing that I loved about Tony Romo, especially when he played with Des Bryant was he dropped back, he knew that he was going to Dez Bryant. He dropped back. He let Dez hand wrestle and fight with the defender. However long he was going to do, he was looking this way, even though he knows he's coming back to Dez Bryant. He dropped back, let him hand wrestle, do whatever he needs to do, and just put the ball in the spot because by that time, Dez Bryant is coming open. Dez Bryant is finished hand, hand wrestling with the, uh, the, the defender. He's strong enough. He's throwing him off. And now he's going to the spot. Romo knows where he's supposed to be. So he throws it to a spot. Dez catches the ball in the spot. I want you to go back and I want you to look at some of the games <clears throat> that Dak Prescott and Michael Gallup have played together. Michael Gallup is a very, very good wide receiver. He doesn't get to utilize his talent and his skill a lot with Dak Prescott. Either Dak Prescott overthrows him or he underthrows him. But he never really makes real accurate throws to um, Michael Gallup. 
Dak is really good with CeeDee Lamb because CeeDee Lamb is right there in his intermediate. I can see him. Bam, bam, let me get him here. Bam, let me get him here. He has a lot of issues throwing to Amari Cooper. Accuracy issues. Dak has had accuracy issues for a very long time, which is why I can't understand why he can't get with a quarterback like a Tony Romo or somebody, uh, Quincy Avery, to work with him on his accuracy issues. He has a huge arm. He can get the ball down the field. He can't get the ball down the field accurately. You know, the one thing Andy Dalton has working for him, Andy Dalton is accurate. He does not have athletic skills. So for him not to have the athletic skills that he needs, what does he do? He's accurate. And now that he has these wide receivers with him, they're going to look, their, their offense is going to look a little bit different, of course, because Dak's athleticism is not in there, but you have Dalton's accuracy in there. So I could see what Booger is talking about. I can see that for right now, the Dallas Cowboys should be okay for the rest of the season. They can't be that way in next year or going forward three years from now. I don't, Andy Dalton is not the future. But Andy Dalton is right now. He's a good stopgap right now because he has accuracy. He knows where to put the ball. He can't get out. He can't run the naked bootlegs like Dak. Of course he can't. And sometimes the athleticism is what kills Dak. Case in point. Two weeks ago, Cowboys are playing the Seahawks, right? Cowboys got the ball. Dak makes one hell of an athletic play to get out and to roll out, right? So if you look at the play, if you freeze frame it when Dak rolls out to the left, all the field is open. They still have like 13 seconds. The entire field is open on the left-hand side. All Dak has to do is take off, run out of bounds, and live to fight another day. Give them one more play, one more chance to get the ball into the end zone. Instead, Dak rolled out, threw off the opposite foot into coverage through an interception in the game. Andy Dalton not doing that because Andy Dalton is like, first of all, for him to get away like that, he's it, that's going to be a miracle. Second thing is, it's too many players in one area, one spot, and I don't know what Dak was looking at trying to fit that into that spot. But his athleticism got him to that point, and then he made a mistake. Andy Dalton is going to make mistakes, of course. I mean, we watched him make mistakes with the Cincinnati Bengals, but by the same token, he is accurate, and he's more accurate than Dak Prescott. I'm willing to go on record by saying that. Andy Dalton is a better passer than Dak Prescott is right now. I, I, I'm willing to say that. The issue that the Cowboys are going to run up against is they have a bad offensive line. Both of their starting tackles are out. Their starting center is out for the year. They have a bad offensive line. They have a bad defense. So that's an issue that they're going to deal with. Zeke is going to benefit from the fact that Andy Dalton is more accurate than Dak Prescott is because they're going to be able to keep the ball moving, keep the ball moving forward. He's going to get a lot of first downs. I'm going to tell you that right now. Andy Dalton is going to get a lot of first downs and keep the ball moving for the Dallas Cowboys. That's the one thing that Jerry Jones did right outside of drafting C.D. Lamb. He went out and got a good backup quarterback. So what Booger said is, 
I, I, I got to go with him. I got to agree with him only because Andy Dalton is way, way, way more accurate than Dakota. But is it Rain Dakota or Dakota Rain? I used to know it because I used to call him out like it was no other. We'll be back. Sports Talk with Big Sarge Podcast. I'm your host, Big Sarge. Follow me on Twitter, Big Sarge Sports with a Z at the end. On Instagram, Big Sarge Sports with a Z at the end. Follow me, follow me, follow me, follow me. I think that I'm a great follow. You know what? I, I, I really think that I am. The problem is on Twitter is that no matter what, no matter if you're right, no matter if you're wrong, people are going to say, and what they want to say and feel how they want to feel. I try to tell them all the time. This is nothing but an algorithm. X's and O's. Ones and zeros. I said X's and O's. Ones and zeros. That's it. That's all it is. Is ones and zeros. An algorithm that is designed to just keep it moving. You know what happens? I'll read something on Twitter. I'll refresh. And then I'll see it no more. And I'm cool with that. Boy, a lot of y'all stay angry on Twitter. And I'll be saying to myself, "Are you? How do you wake up that angry? How do you? How are you angry throughout the entire day? Just mad on Twitter? They stay mad. Can't nothing ever ever go right on Twitter? And I say to myself, "Are y'all serious right now?" Hey, but follow me though, big star sports. All right, this week, this uh, Sunday, the Texans will take on the Titans. And I'm going to tell you why the Texans beating the Titans, that is not going to be an upset. And, and just like you all, I watched the Titans play on last night. I watched the Titans defeat the Buffalo Bills, an undefeated team. I watched them. I watched Derrick Henry. <laughs> y'all remember a time when Josh Norman was supposed to be tough? Like, I remember when Josh Norman was supposed to be tough, but I also remember, didn't Cam Newton put them hands on Josh Norman? Cam Newton put them hands on Josh Norman, right? Josh Norman, you will forever be a meme now. Didn't Josh Norman talk uh, trash to Odell Beckham Jr.? And Odell Beckham Jr. was in his own head, and if he hadn't have been in his own head, he would have destroyed Norman. If I'm not mistaken, the first game, the first the, the the first play of that game, first or second play of that game, Odell Beckham Jr. blew right past Josh Norman and dropped a 50-yard touchdown pass. You know who Josh Norman is? Let's just go ahead and call it like a T.I. is. You know who Josh Norman is? Josh Norman is Patrick Beverly. You remember when Russell Westbrook said, uh, Patrick Beverly had pretty much sold y'all a dream on how he's good, and he's not. Patrick Beverly been lying to y'all. He ain't good. He sold y'all a dream. That's the exact same thing Josh Norman did. 
cornerback for the Buffalo Bills. Like Josh Norman sold us a dream on how good he was, and he wasn't that good. He's just just like Patrick Beverly was one of those guys who overachieved. Now, let me give a shout out to both of them for making it to the league. I never did. I wouldn't have liked to. If I could have gone back, I wouldn't have not gotten myself so caught up in. You know what was the downfall for Big Sarge? Let me just go ahead and tell you. The downfall for Big Sarge in high school wasn't talent. It was discipline and girls. Mm -hmm. Discipline and young ladies. All they had to tell me was, oh, you so pretty with your little black chocolate skin. You got a dimple and you bow-legged. I was done. I was, ooh, ooh. I was like an IG model who get, uh, who, who get a DM from uh, one of the world champion Los Angeles Lakers by the name of Not going to say that, but yeah, that, that caused my downfall. So as I digress, Josh Norman made us believe that he was tough and he was, and he's not. Josh Norman made us believe that he's good and he's not. So I wasn't surprised when Derrick Henry pushed him right off, pushed him right off his feet. And now every time I go on social media, I watch Josh Norman. Ah, ah. Now this weekend when the Texans beat the Titans, it won't be an upset. It'd just be the Texans actually coming into their natural form. They've gotten rid of Bill O'Brien. They have a whole new culture in their locker room. They are giving Deshaun Watson more autonomy to run the offensive plays in which he likes. They're giving him more control over the offense, which is something he should have had for the last two years. Even, the, even though they lost Bernardrick McKinney, their linebacker, Tyrell Adams is going to step in. just like I think he had 13 tackles this past Sunday. So he's going to step right in. They're going to have a hard time stopping Derrick Henry because they do give up a lot of rush yards. I think last week was the first time uh, that they didn't give up 100 yards rushing in a game. They held Jacksonville to 75. They held Jacksonville to 75 yards. So it's going to be... Tough, that Russian game is going to be tough. But if they can contain Derrick Henry, if they can contain Derrick Henry, they definitely can beat the Titans because I don't trust Tannehill. I do not trust Ryan Tannehill to be able to continue to win games. And with Romeo Cornell now back on the sidelines, along with new defense coordinator Anthony Weaver, they're going to put together a game plan on the defensive side of the ball to make, if Tannehill's going to beat him, he's going to have to beat them with his arm. Because I know they're going to put a plan in place to stop Derrick Henry from rushing the ball like he does. I got the Texans winning. I have the Texans beating the Tennessee Titans. And it's not an upset. It's not. Even though the Texans started off 0-4 this year, 0-4, right? Yeah, they're weak. Six. On four, they're one and four now. I still have them winning the division. I do. Let me tell you why I have the Texans winning the division right quick before I move on. One, the Indianapolis Colts, the the, the worst mistakes that the, the worst mistake the Indianapolis Colts could have ever done was uh getting Phillip Rivers and, and benching Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brissett was the best thing for that Tennessee Titans. I mean, I'm sorry, Tennessee Titans. 
Jacoby Brissett was the best thing for the Indianapolis Colts, not Phillip Rivers. He's not mobile. He does not have a strong arm anymore. He pushes the ball through, and he's not accurate. That's the worst thing they could have done. And he's not a great leader, so I don't know why they brought him into that organization that was on the rise. You could work with Jacoby Brissett to get him to do what it is you want him to do, but bringing Phillip Rivers in there knocked down the Indianapolis Colts. The Jacksonville Jaguars are who they are. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Tennessee will be the opposition, the toughest opposition for the Houston Texans. And as long as the Texans go one and one, which I think that they will, as long as they split with the Tennessee Titans, they should be in a good position to, to, to win the division. I'm calling it right now. The, the Houston Texans will win the AFC South again. They're going to get on a roll once they get this. Once they can get this offense down the way that Deshaun Watson actually wants it, they're going to be good. And I think that this Sunday you'll see a repeat performance. I mean, Deshaun Watson has 300 yards passing in the last two weeks. Nothing's going to stop that this week. The Tennessee Titans don't have a great defense. They have a good defense. I'm, I'm curious to see what this Jadavion Clowney versus Titus Howard matchup is going to be like. Be like. Because there's no possible way they're going to keep, uh, there's no possible way they're going to switch Jadavion over to in front of Laramie Tunsil. That is, you lose. Mike Vrabel ain't that dumb. Mike Vrabel is not dumb enough to say, yeah, let's stick uh, Jadavion over here in front of Laramie Tunsil. You totally took him out of the play. And I like Jadavion Clowney. I'm a Jadavion Clowney fan. But Laramie Tunsil is a whole different animal and a beast. On that left side. You're not going to beat him like that. So I'm thinking that they're going to keep um, Jadavion Clowney on the right side going up against Titus Howard. And I want to see what that's going to be like. It's not an upset. It's just the every, every year thing. They're going to beat the Titans. We'll be back. Tune into the Sports Talk with Big Sarge podcast. I'm your host, Big Sarge. Hey, listen, before I move on, I got a couple of things I want to knock out here right quick. One, hey, shout out to the Los Angeles Lakers. Even though I'm not a Lakers fan, shout out to you all for winning the uh, 2020 NBA Finals. Y'all are champion, the bubble, bubble wrap champions, whatever you want to call them. Listen, bump all that. Let's get to the most important thing. One, shout out to the GOAT. The greatest of all time to ever touch a basketball court, in my opinion. Big Sarge's greatest of all time is LeBron James. LeBron James. LeBron James. My greatest of all time. Ain't got to be yours. I don't care who yours is. LeBron is mine. And that's all that I care about. I wouldn't give a damn if you had Oscar Robinson Pistol Pete. You can have Pete Chill Cut. For all I care, I don't care who your greatest of all time is when it comes to the NBA. 
I don't care who yours is and I don't care if you like mine or not. I don't care. It's for me. I didn't pick a greatest of all time to satisfy nobody but me. The things that I look for, the things that I like is the, the, the things that I look for, the things that I like in the greatest of all time. LeBron James possesses all of those. He may not for you. And that's okay. Two things can be true. He could be my goat and not be yours. Some of you all have Michael Jordan. Some of you all have Kobe Bryant. Some of you all have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Some of you all have Bill Russell. Whoever you have, it's okay. It's on you. It's yours. But for me and Miles, the greatest of all time is the Kang, LeBron James. Some of y'all are making a huge issue out of him saying, give me my damn respect. I don't, he said two times, LeBron. Hell, make a video, make a song, get with uh Big Sean, Lil Wayne, uh the baby, get with all of them and make a song about give me my damn respect. Who cares what everybody else thinks? If the man doesn't feel like he's getting his respect, then he deserves his respect. Give him his respect. I do. LeBron James is the greatest of all time for me. And there's a lot of intangibles that I have. Uh, that that I that I look for that he has over LeBron uh, over I'm sorry over Michael Jordan and over Kobe Bryant. May he rest in peace. He's just mine. So, shout out to the Los Angeles Lakers. Shout out to LeBron James. I gotta ask this though. Who in the hell told Alice Caruso to come to the Zoom conference call, the 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 finals press conference with no damn shirt on? You see what happens when you let J.R. Smith on your team? When you let J.R. Smith on your team and Deion Waiters? Two dudes that I know had gummies in the bubble. And by gummies, you know what I mean by gummies, right? Two dudes I know that had gummies. J.R. Smith and Deion Waiters? You see the influence that you all have on a young Republican in Alex Caruso? Now, listen, that's just jokes, okay? I don't know. He could be a Democrat. He could be an independent. I have no clue. But when you send a young Alex Caruso to the Zoom press conference with no shirt on, what the hell was y'all thinking? It's bad enough you sent Kyle Kuzma. There with no shirt on. Somebody should tell, hey, you gotta put on the shirt. But I'm pretty sure JR's like, no, you good. You good. I ain't got one on. You see, I ain't got one on, so you shouldn't have one on either. Be like, yeah, but JR, yo, you been you ain't even had to take your uniform off. Like you could have wore your uniform like during games three, four, and five. And cause you didn't sweat. Like, you barely even warmed up, so you didn't really need to take your uniform off. So, I mean, you could have kept it on. Hey, do Jared Dudley get a ring? <laughs> Jared Dudley get a ring, right? Oh, my God. I'm glad they let Jared Dudley come to the uh, to, to the uh, post-game press conference with no shirt on. Jared Dudley's body looked like silly putty. 
At least Kyle Kuzma and Alec Caruso got some type of muscular structure. At least Jared Dudley looked like silly putty. I wonder if the what. I wonder if the. They probably didn't let Dwight Howard come to the press conference because he did probably came naked. Don't Dwight Howard seem like the kind of person like, listen, I'm comfortable in my natural habitat. If it bothers you or disturbs you, you can just leave. But I'm, I, I, I feel comfortable. Seems like he would have that that Dennis Rodman mindset, right? Like I could see Dennis Rodman coming to a press conference naked. Like, what's up? I can see Dwight Howard coming to a press conference naked too. Like, what's up? Y'all good? You good? And I like Dwight Howard. He's cool. <laughs> I digress. Shout out to the Los Angeles Lakers. All right. I got to get ready to get up out of here. I got to get ready for this game. Oh, Lord Jesus. Y'all got to get ready to get uh, ready to head down to game four of the American League Championship Series between the Houston Astros and the Tampa Bay Rays at Petco Park here in sunny San Diego, California. But y'all know how we do it before we go. All my Vietnam veterans, welcome home. Germany, good night. All my active duty military personnel that's downrange, good night. It is now time for Big Sarge's Article 15. Oh, I hate to do this, but I got to do it. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be me if I ain't do it. I got to do it, y'all. Ice Cube. Come get this work. So, Ice Cube, I understand what you're trying to do. I understand that this, what was it, a platinum package, a gold package, a cubic zirconia package, whatever package it is that you were trying to put together for African Americans that you presented to the Democrats and the Republicans. I understand what you're trying to do. I understand what you're trying to do to uplift African Americans. I understand what you're trying to do to uplift black people. I understand what you're trying to do to 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 improve um, the socioeconomic standards of African Americans. The financial stability of African Americans. I understand you're trying to help African Americans gain generational wealth like you have so that we can help a community. I get all that, Ice Cube, and I'm all for it. I'm all for all the things that you want to do. I get it. I got it. Wrong time, brother. It is the wrong time to be trying to talk to any political party about doing those things for African-Americans. Most of the people that are going to vote, most of the black people that are going to vote Ice Cube have their minds already made up. So you going to these political parties don't mean nothing to us. Don't mean nothing to them. People are going to vote their interest, they already have it set in their mind. Some of them, early voters, have already done it. So what the, the, the plan and the package that you put together is saying that you presented it to the Democrats and they said, call us back after the elections and the Republicans and they said, oh yeah, we can work with that. Let's just tweak it a little bit. It's nothing but empty promises, Ice Cube. And you are too smart to have fallen for that trick. They are now using you as a political ploy on the Republican side of the house. 
I am not affiliated with any political party. So what I'm saying right here, right now, I don't have an agenda. I just want to talk strictly to you and tell you that it was the wrong time to listen to empty promises. This is election season. They're going to tell you any and everything you want to hear. The Democrats told you, hey, call us back after the election so we can actually see what we can do. We may not be able to say yes to these things and we can't get them done and make you all promises and say, uh, well, this is what we're going to do, but we don't have the power to be able to do it. That's why they told you to call them back. Now, somebody made a great point on Facebook earlier about the Democrats been given empty promises for a long time just to get the African-American vote. I agree with that. I'm 110% behind that. And don't think that I forgot that I still have a uh, podcast, my attention to this podcast to do on how I blame all of this on the black church. We're going to get back to that a little bit later on. But the, so, so the Democrats told you to call them back because they don't know if they're going to have the power to agree to what you want. The Demo uh, the Republicans say, oh, yeah, bring it to us. We'll tweak it and use it as a black a black package to get the black vote. And then once we get the black vote, then we'll just be like, no, nah, we're good. Neither one of those can come through with anything right now. Ice Cube, turn your TV on. While many Americans are suffering from COVID-19 related issues as far as no jobs, about to lose their houses, can't afford to pay for the basic necessity while American citizens are suffering. The president of the United States say, don't y'all do a damn thing until you push my uh, a Supreme Court nominee through until you finish these confirmation hearings to get her on the Supreme Court, I ain't signing nothing. Don't send me nothing. And y'all better not do a damn thing. So what do you think going to them, talking talking to them about uh, uh, pushing this agenda for this package that you have? You look at that package and you say, okay, this is what we want. And you'll get the black vote or, you know, we can, I can sell this to, to, to the black people and we can get you to vote if you make us the promise. Of course, they're going to make you the promise. But all you got to do is turn on your TV to any news station right now. And instead of voting on a stimulus package that has been sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk for over 150 days, they are doing a confirmation hearing for a Supreme Court nominee. So while I understand what you're trying to do, Ice Cube, you're too smart for that. You've been around too long for that. We all watch straight out of Compton. We know how you were able to get out of your contract because you were smarter than the than, than that. You were smarter than allowing them to use you like that. But now, in the midst of election season, in the midst of everything that's going on, you allowed them to sell you some empty promises. No, you did not endorse anybody. You did not endorse Biden, you did not endorse uh, uh, former Vice President Joe Biden, and you did not endorse President Donald Trump. You didn't endorse anybody. You presented them a package. A package that on paper looks great for African Americans. 
It's just something that we need to see after the elections, after they vote for the Congress and after they vote for the Senate and after they vote local and after they vote uh, for the state and after they vote for in the general election. None of that stuff that you presented on paper can be done right now, Ice Cube. And if they tell you that it can be and it will be, it'll just be another long list of paperwork. They just be like, question before I get ready to get up out of here. What made you think that they were going to agree to whatever it is you presented towards African-Americans or for African-Americans? What made you think that the Democrats or the Republicans were going to do that when they can't even come together for a stimulus package to help American citizens? Not just black people. Let's just remove black people. They can't even agree to help people. And you think that it was the right time to say, here's the black plan that I would like to see done. They'd be like, hmm, O'Shea Jackson Sr., huh? Straight out of Compton. Uh, played in all those uh, lovely movies that I like. He changed his image. Owns the big three. He went from gangster rapper to family-friendly movie maker. Where are they now? Or where are they going? Or whatever the name of those movies are. Like O'Shea Jackson, Ice Cube changed his whole persona and perception in in the world. He is the 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 American dream. How he came from nothing and made himself something. And he's black. We can use him. You know who else had that same mindset? Kanye West. You know who else had that same mindset? Martin Luther King the Third. You know who else had that same mindset? Steve Harvey. You know who had that same mindset? Jim Brown. You know who had that same mindset? Ray Lewis. Ask me what has gotten done with them going to the White House or going to Trump Tower. What has gotten done for the African-American people? You thought you was just going to stroll in there and get things changed on both sides? You just thought that you was gonna roll into. You thought you were just gonna stand in the middle and have a and hand out two pieces of paper like this and say, "This is my package for you Republicans, and this is my package for you Democrats." Now let me see y'all figure it out. Y'all get back to me, and they took your piece of paper and like, "Can you promise us the black vote? Because if you can, I can lie to you right now and tell you we can get this done." There was nothing that was going to come out of you presenting those packages. You're, what you did was no better than what Charlemagne does. And I'm not going to call him his that, that other name. He's just Charlemagne because he's not a god to me. He's not a god to me. He's nothing. Charlemagne, you, you, I mean, if we're keeping it 100, Ice Cube, you and Charlemagne got a lot in common. I mean, because y'all are both, you know, you're in a higher tax bracket, but he's teetering, moving up towards that tax bracket. And every time I hear him and how he talks about the black agenda... What is the black agenda? What are they doing for black people? And this, that, and other. Then he talks right back out of the other side of his mouth and then says, oh, well, um, well, I, I, I asked this candidate about the black agenda, but what this candidate over here is doing is, is, is okay. It's cool. Yeah, because it's money related. Everything is money related. You didn't endorse a candidate, Ice Cube. I, I will repeatedly say that. But what you did was not smart. And what you did was the wrong time.